Today is Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. It's the day after the election. Was it a red tsunami or not? We'll have the details on that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Joining me as always to get through the news of the cray, Trey Gones, Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faith Wire. Guys, happy hump day. Feels like we just saw each other. Oh, yeah, that's because we did on our live stream coverage last night in the election. It's uh, fancy seeing you again. Yes, yeah, just minutes and hours, and <laughs> I don't even know. I came. I, I saw you last night, and I'm seeing you again. <laughs> Very excited. I mean, yeah, it's been a wild 24 hours, but I hope some of the people who are on the live stream have joined us for the party this morning. Yes, yes, that's indeed. Right. That'll be fantastic. I mean, we had, a, we had a nice audience for us for the entire night. I mean, four hours yeah. of waiting for a lot of stuff that ended up never coming. But uh, it was still, nevertheless, fun to watch it all unfold. Uh, and we'll talk about some of that on today's podcast here. Um, and coming up on the main thing, we've got a conversation with Fox News anchor Harris Faulkner. Uh, but first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. Of the key races last night, perhaps none bigger than in the Senate in Pennsylvania with John Fetterman versus Dr. Mehmet Oz. John Fetterman has emerged victorious According to several outlets who have called the race for the Democrat, handing a crushing blow to Republicans' chances and their hopes for having a red tsunami type of election. J.D. Vance, however, won in Ohio over Tim Ryan. That was a feather in the cap for Republicans. Marco Rubio won his race handily. Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock were in a dead heat all night and didn't have the result at the time of this taping. Some other wins on the night for Republicans. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis won a massive victory over Charlie Crist in a blowout. And Governor Greg Abbott trounced Beto O'Rourke, while Brian Kemp soundly defeated Stacey Abrams. There are still several races yet to be decided this morning, so it does not appear that red tsunami, as I said. We'll see where the dust settles in the coming days, and you can keep up to date on everything over at CBNNews.com. So, guys, uh, as we said, it was it was a crazy night last night watching this stuff come in and a lot to talk about. It does seem like the Democrat strategy that we talked about on this podcast of using uh, the abortion issue, for example, to try to distract and get voters their base out to the polls amid this economy that's struggling and so many things that President Biden is dealing with and Democrats are kind of getting pinned on them with the economy. It seems to have, at least in part, been successful. It does. And I think it says a lot about our culture, right? The fact that people are so swayed by that and not yeah. realizing what an, ab an abortion is. But yeah, absolutely. It was effective. And you saw that in the exit polling of people just being very supportive of abortion rights and being upset at the Supreme Court. Though I do honestly think some of it was less about convincing people to embrace a perspective and more about distracting them from the reality that is, right? By throwing everything at the wall uh, and just seeing what sticks, I think Democrats were, unfortunately for Republicans, successful at, at, at distracting people from how bad the economy is yeah. and where inflation is. So, you know, I don't know that it's all people were on board with abortion as much as they were just distracted by the reality of how bad and how much pain they're feeling in their pocketbooks. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see it play out over the next few days. And then really honestly for 2024. Um, and of course, in the next couple of days, president, former president Trump 
said that he is going to make a big statement. And he did speak last night, guys. That was also very interesting. He did speak. He he touted some people that he supported and um, you know, pointed to several wins that were out there, although he did get criticized for pointing out one candidate who lost. Um, but nevertheless, he has a big announcement supposedly coming on the 15th. A lot of people think that he is going to announce that he will be running. And um, one notable absence were, was that he did not mention DeSantis in that list of names, at least that we saw on our coverage last night. Uh, it's possibly mentioned it elsewhere. But it, it's fascinating to watch that all play out because we still don't know what's going to happen with President Biden either. Because there's a lot of talk about should he run again? And are Democrats going to ask him to step aside? And one last note all before I turn it over to you guys, we spoke to CBN's Abigail Robertson last night, and she mentioned something very interesting, that if Biden did not run again, one of the names tossed around for a possible replacement was Pete Buttigieg. Well, and, you know, he was he's been a really popular figure, right? He has been most called upon among anybody else in the administration to campaign with people on the Democratic side. And, you know, he was he ran last time around and, you know, I think he made a name for himself. So it's not shocking. They also don't have a lot of people to really pull from at this point. So, yeah, you're two years out, which means you're really a year out from campaigning. You got to start having candidates. So. I think he's going to be a candidate. I'd be very shocked if he wasn't. Yeah, I'm interested to hear how this speech from former President Trump is going to go in a few days, uh, given some of the results that were that, that came in tonight, his statement, uh, obviously seemingly excluding Ron DeSantis, who he's called Ron DeSanctimonious. Yeah. Uh, so because DeSantis is his likely opponent, if both of them were to run, uh, his primary opponent is going to be Ron DeSantis. Also interesting to see on social media last night, like into the wee hours of the morning, uh, there were several people who in the past were probably very pro-Trump and were all about campaigning for Trump in his earlier runs are now saying DeSantis launched his 2024 presidential bid uh, last night when he won the governorship pretty resoundingly in Florida. So I don't know. It, it might be that the Republican Party is ready to move on from Trump and to DeSantis, but we're not going to know that for an, uh, you know a number of months. Right. And um, as far as the red tsunami thing, I don't know that a red tsunami happened. It doesn't seem like it did. Um, and of course, numbers are still coming in, but um, the full effect of it, we still won't know for, for a little bit, um, but it doesn't appear to be as big as some Democrats worried it could have been, um, but still, we'll see how it all shakes out. Um, all right, let's uh, head into our next story. And, you know, amid all, we've of course, we've been obsessed with the politics here in America, but there is still a lot of other serious issues to be addressed and persecution in Iraq continues to be a major problem. What's going on there, Billy? Yeah, you know, we forget about what's going on in these other countries because the news cycle moves on, but the tragedies don't, right? They continue. Yeah. And so you've got um, this archbishop. His name is Reverend Bashar Warda, and he lives in Iraq. And he was recently speaking at the G20 Religion Forum in Indonesia, and he explained what he fears for his nation. He said there's a ton of violence going on still within Iraq's borders and that there will be dire consequences if that is not reined in. 
in. Uh, here's what he said. He said, quote, the brutal logic of this is that there does not eventually, there does eventually reach an end point where there are no minorities left to kill and no minorities left to persecute. Such is the bleak future of religious pluralism in Iraq today. So he basically was sounding the alarm that we are at sort of a point of no return in Iraq when it comes to minorities being persecuted and obviously Christian persecution being one of the main uh, types going on there. Yeah, I mean, what is he saying and or what are others saying um, could happen if really nobody intervenes here and steps in and does something to sort of help? Yeah, I mean, basically the violence is unrestrained. And so you're talking about a situation and it might almost seem like hyperbole or that it's being, you know, oh, they're being dramatic. They're not. I mean, you could end up with a situation where you just can't be in a minority group. You can't be a Christian. You can't be anything other than um, a Muslim, essentially, because that is what what is going on there. These are not new issues in Iraq, but it's pretty tragic that after war, attempts to fix things, you know, everything that's gone on, that they are still in a position where they are actually fearing not only for their safety, but for the very existence of their ability to be believers. I mean, what do you know about this as an overarching persecution issue that's going on there? Yeah. So, you know, he's talking in a vacuum here a little bit of like, okay, here's what's currently going on. Again, these are not new issues. Iraq ranks number 14 um, on the Open Doors USA World Watch list. This is a list that we've covered a lot at Faithwire and CBN News. It documents the countries with the worst Christian persecution across the globe. Again, Iraq is number 14. um, And it's really a place where there's not only conflict, but territorial issues. You had the Islamic State, which came in and um, really grew and flourished there. Um, you've There have been so many issues that have gone on there. Um, so there's intolerance and persecution among citizens, but it's also perpetuated not only by those groups, but by government officials, right? So Christians actually face discrimination at almost every level, including at the hands of those who are in charge of the country. Yeah, and it's very interesting because I did go a year after ISIS went through. I went to Iraq to film a documentary there um, called Six Days in Iraq. And um, it's interesting because Iraqi Kurdistan is like a pocket in the midst of that. The rest of the country is a disaster. But then you have Iraqi Kurdistan and the Kurds there in Iraq are just, they they love freedom. You can go around as a Christian there and not feel out of place. Um, they're very welcoming and kind to Americans. And then you're outside of that area and it's a whole different story. So that is an interesting dynamic that's going on with Iraq. It's very dangerous um, in most of that country for minorities. Like you said, there's this sectarian tension and violence all the time there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I and I think that this is a cry for help, right? A cry yeah. to help the rest of the world recognize this problem. But of course, we've been there, others have been there, um, and it has not solved this the vacuum that is usually there that, yeah. that perpetuates and creates this. Yeah, it's a tough situation. I don't know how... There's definitely not an easy answer because those are some deep ties there and beliefs that um, a lot of these uh, people have over there that are difficult to overcome. This is it's an issue that's that's widespread for so many different parts of the world that are hostile toward Christians. I was just reading because I, I was recalling 
back when I spoke a while, I think this is in 2020, actually, I spoke with Open Doors about this issue. Uh, and uh, the coordinator for Southeast Asia uh, said that they're facing similar issues with the persecution of Christians. And it happens in really unique ways and really um, sinister ways. Mm-hmm. At that time, they were withholding food uh, because obviously there are shortages all, all over the place. They were withholding food from Christian communities and families were having to choose to either convert back to Islam or starve to death or their children would starve to death. So I think it's just, it's it's heartbreaking to see and to know that this kind of persecution is happening while us in the West are benefiting from from the blessing of of being able to put food on the table. Obviously elections matter and we need to focus on those things. But I just I can't fathom not knowing where my next meal is going to come yeah. from. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and of course, elections do matter because you see the way the administrations handle foreign policy issues or nothing direct yeah. in Iraq this time around. But you see what happened in Afghanistan and what that sloppy pullout did there is just terrible. Um, and so our elections do matter for how these people are affected in various parts of the world. So appreciate you bringing that story, Billy. That leads us into our main thing for today. And Fox News anchor Harris Faulkner sat down with Trey to discuss her fate, how she came to Christ, and how it factors into her work as a journalist, a role that she calls her divine assignment, a calling she says she discovered as a child. That's today's main thing. Harris Faulkner is an anchor at Fox News. In fact, that's how most of us know her. But there's a great deal more to her story than what we see on our screens. Faulkner grew up in a Christian home and quickly took that faith on in her own life, so much so that her belief in God is inseparable from her work as a journalist, a task she calls her divine assignment from the Lord. While some are called to preach and teach, Faulkner feels compelled to communicate, to illuminate for millions of people stories that challenge, inspire, and educate us, some of it hard to hear, and others that restore our hope. We recently spoke with Harris about her calling as an anchor, and that's where we'll pick it up. And my divine assignment that I talk to young people about, when you're falling in and out of that faith zone with God, just remember Try to remember, if you can, that we each have a divine purpose, a divine assignment from the Lord and stick to it. You may be the only person in the room at times who can do what you do, whatever it is that you do. I'm called to be a witness. I I was not called to prophesize and lead a flock and I follow in that sense, but I am a leader in the field of communications. And the idea that Over the years, I've collected all these testimonies. And Trey, the light bulb just comes on after a while. It's like, well, wait a minute. I have been called to witness. People may wonder, well, how does a news anchor get into talking about her fate? Do those two things really go together? Well, in this sense, they do. Because I have witnessed literal miracles through people's testimonies. I can pass that on their testimonies like it does for you and me at times to hear somebody revive you ever being some somebody's company you're in someone's company and they say trey or harris i had something happen to me and i leaned into the lord and he leaned back into me and you're like yeah that's right and i haven't prayed in a little while i'm gonna i'm gonna pray and i'm gonna pray specifically and then i'm going to do the all-important thing of listen and wait for god's timing so where did that come from what sparked faulkner's interest in faith hear her explain it 
Well, I had a little help because my parents are very strong in their faith. And, you know, most of us as children, that's where faith comes from. Mom and dad taking us to church and explaining things. My father was at war more than once. He was a combat pilot in Vietnam, two tours. And it was my mom and me for a while when I was little. And as young as I can remember, probably about two, maybe three, mom taught me how to pray, what to say when you pray. You always show gratitude over anything that gives you sustenance, anything, whether it's your food, the people in your life who love you and support you, you praise and you thank the good Lord for all of those blessings every day without ceasing. As you get older, what you realize is you don't always do that. Sometimes you press in when things go wrong and you've missed out because you, you know, my mom said you start when everything is good and pray every day. When the storm comes, you keep praying. And when the storm passes, you keep praying. And, you know, I realized at a very early age, I had the gift of gab. I was probably about six, maybe younger. According to my mom, I never stopped talking. <laughs> and my parents guided me and they said, you know, you were such an early talker. Late walker, early talker, almost two. My mom said, I don't, she told the doctor, I don't think that her legs work. And he goes, well, you're going to have to put her down. She's <laughs> carrying her everywhere. Um, but anyway, she would tell me specifically, even more than my father, there's something about the way that you speak that's tied to God's gift. That I, She said, I don't know what it is, but when you speak, people listen, even at your little age, hmm. like we'd go to the grocery store and I'd say something and people would turn around. Now, I don't want to say that I had this voice at five because that would have scared the life out of people. <laughs> right? But I did have this ability. You could tell me something. I would remember it. And then I would tell it to others in a compelling way mm -hmm. at a very young age, kindergarten, first grade, second grade teachers, everybody noticed it. And so I had help. I had help in learning that I'm probably going to be someone tied to that. Many people thought as I got old, oh, you're going to make a great attorney. So I took the LSAT and I thought that that's what I wanted to do. But it wasn't. They talk a lot too. But what mine was tied to was giving a voice to people who didn't think they were being heard. And it's ironic because now with all the politics going on, I, I feel like there's even a bigger calling to do that. And with all of that and the pandemic, so much misinformation, so much confusing messaging out there. By day, I wear the cape of someone who is really trying hard to cut through that and just tell the facts. And by night, when I was writing after work, I wore the cape of, and these are not superpower capes. These are just like the cheap ones that I would get, right? <laughs> In our imagination. But I, I would play the role of, of okay, I'm still storyteller. I, I'm going to look back and see if there's anybody I, I interviewed that I want to re-interview and see if there was a faith walk there. Faulkner is the author of a new book, Faith Still Moves Mountains, Miraculous Stories of the Healing Power of Prayer. In it, the Fox News anchor shares harrowing stories of faith in the face of fear, courage in chaos, and calm in the midst of calamity. 
At the center of it all is a trust in a living God who still intervenes in the world today. I wrote this book because I truly, truly believe that we do that for each other. We share testimony and then we re-engage. And this, I hope, will be a re-engagement point for millions of people in America. The book is available now for pre-order and hits shelves November 15th. Stay tuned to our Faithwire and CBN News channels for more from our conversation with Fox News anchor Harris Faulkner. All right, Trey, thanks for that conversation. Appreciate that. And that leaves us with time for one last thing. And uh, Trey, where do you want to go? So I'm looking at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 17. And I think anytime you go through an election, somebody is upset, right? Every, nobody's yeah. happy with everybody no. who got elected or didn't get elected. So I think this verse is important. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 17 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. There are no caveats there. Give yeah. thanks in all circumstances. Yeah. Absolutely. it's uh, It sounds simple, but uh, easier said than done, but something that is a great reminder, especially coming off an election when, like you said, there's sure to be disappointment. Good reminder to always remain thankful and joyful. Love it. Thankful, joyful, peaceful. That's all I got to say. And back to bed for us after this podcast, after being up all night and covering the election, we're going to go take a nap. That's just, uh, well, probably not. We'll probably just keep working all day, but whatever. That's the cross we bear. But uh, we appreciate you being here, especially you new listeners of the podcast. You may have found us there on election night. Appreciate you being here. God bless you, Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. <laughs>